This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Charlotte Kwasnowski. She's a resident in general surgery as well as a PhD candidate in biostatistics. Welcome, Dr. Kwasnowski. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let's start out with some basics. What is TB and what does drug-resistant TB mean? Tuberculosis, commonly known as TB, is one of the most interesting diseases out there. And I say that as someone who's going into pediatric surgery, which has a lot of interesting diseases. It's been a pathogen for thousands of years. It's even implicated in the deaths of mummies in Egypt. It's caused by the bacterium, Mycobacterium tuberculosis. To start with the very basic, TB bacteria are spread through the air from one person to another. The TB bacteria are put into the air when a person with TB disease of the lungs or throat coughs, sings, or speaks. People nearby may breathe in these bacteria and become infected. People tend to think of TB as a disease of the lungs, but in fact, it can infect any part of the body. What's so neat about TB is how well adapted it is to living within us. While many bacteria can double their population in 20 to 40 minutes, the fastest TB can do so is every 20 hours. Because of this slow doubling time, it takes a long time to eliminate TB once there's an infection in place. Multiple antibiotics are needed to adequately treat an infection of tuberculosis. In fact, there are about 14 different classes of anti-TB drugs, all with different tuberculocidal or tuberculostatic effects, as well as toxicity profiles. The story of drug resistance in TB is paralleled in many other bacteria. Overuse and improper use of antibiotics stimulates drug resistance, which makes treatment of bacterial infections more difficult. Uh, patients with regular or fully drug-susceptible TB are treated with four drugs, the so-called first-line drugs. These are rifampin, isoniazid, pyrazinamide, and ethambutol. These drugs are safe, cheap, and effective. More than 95% of patients can be cured with these drugs if they take the treatment as prescribed. The best two of these drugs are rifampin and isoniazid. When TB is resistant to these two drugs, it's called multidrug-resistant TB, or MDR-TB. Patients with MDR-TB need to be treated with second-line drugs, which are more toxic, more expensive, and less effective. Whereas regular TB can be cured within six months, MDR-TB is generally 24 months long. Up to 70% of patients with MDR-TB can be cured, at least in people who don't have HIV. MDR-TB is treated with at least four second-line drugs. The two best drugs of these second-line drugs are the fluoroquinolones and the injectable second-line drugs, either amikacin, capriomycin, or canamycin. MDR-TB, which is also resistant to a fluoroquinolone and any second-line ingestible drug, is called XDR-TB, which means extensively drug-resistant. In 2014, the WHO estimated that worldwide 3.3% of new cases and 20% of previously treated cases of TB were MDR-TB. They also estimated that 480,000 people developed MDR-TB in 2014, and 190,000 people died. What were you looking for when you did your study? Is XDR-TB actually worse than drug-resistant TB? In 2006, I was a third-year medical student at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. In March of that year, the first report on XDR-TB was published in Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. By testing for resistance to second-line drugs, which was not routinely done in many places at the time, they found XDR-TB in all regions tested. Rapidly, the definition of XDR-TB was revised to reflect resistance to the four best drugs for TB, as I described before. Then in October 2006, Neil Gandhi and colleagues published a report in The Lancet on an outbreak in Tugela Ferry in South Africa, where they found 
53 patients with XDR-TB, 52 of whom died in a median of 16 days from diagnosis. All 44 patients with XDR who were tested for HIV were co-infected. I'd been reading about HIV and TB for years, but that rapid mortality was unlike anything that had been published before. I emailed Peter Sigelski, the team leader for drug-resistant TB at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the senior author on the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report publication. I was looking to work for him if that was possible. Dr. Sigelski was running a study looking at acquired resistance during the treatment of MDR-TB, the Preserving Effective TB Treatment Study, the so-called PET study. PETS was a prospective observational study of patients with MDR-TB in nine countries, studying risk factors for and the consequences of acquired drug resistance in the treatment of MDR-TB. PETS was a prescient study. It was proposed before XDR-TB had even been described. It turned out that Peter was looking for a researcher to coordinate PETS in South Africa. So in September 2007, I took a leave of absence from medical school to move to South Africa. I joined the PETS team of South Africa at the South African Medical Research Council's TB unit in Pretoria. The head of the TB platform was Dr. Marty Vandervelt. I worked in four provinces, but spent most of my time in Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal, two of the most affected provinces. I spent a lot of time at first at Josie Pearson Hospital in Port Elizabeth in Eastern Cape, which was where all patients in Eastern Cape with MDR-TB and then XDR-TB were hospitalized for the intensive phase of their treatment or until they were culture negative. I quickly met patients with XDR-TB who were alive, although many of them were failing treatment. At that time, the only data on XDR-TB in South Africa were that patients would rapidly die. This suggested that their treatment was essentially futile. Meanwhile, I was meeting patients with XDR-TB who were walking around and living their hospital lives as normally as possible. That was when I asked Dr. Vandervault whether I could put together a retrospective study of all patients diagnosed with and treated for XDR-TB. I first got permission from Eastern Cape Province and then later in KwaZulu-Natal Province. I wanted to find the mortality rate for the population as a whole. And then Dr. Vandervault was able to help provide guidance and some funding. Tell us a little bit about your study. We analyzed data for a retrospective cohort of patients treated for extensively drug-resistant tuberculosis in two provinces in South Africa, Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. We compared predictors of treatment outcome in HIV-positive patients who received or had not received antiretroviral drugs with those for HIV-negative patients. In Eastern Cape Province, all patients given a diagnosis of XDR-TB by the provincial public laboratory were reported to the XDR-TB treatment facility, Josie Pearson Hospital. That meant I was able to use the hospital ledger to study all patients diagnosed with XDR-TB from October 2006 to January 2008. October 2006 was also the first month where drug susceptibility testing for second-line drugs was available in Eastern Cape Province, and was also the first month where additional second-line drugs, capriomycin and PAS, were made available. So in Eastern Cape, the patients in our study were the first patients diagnosed with and treated for XDR-TB. In KwaZulu-Natal Province, New XDR-TB case patients were reported to individual clinics. The clinics then contacted the sole XDR-TB treatment facility in the province, King George Hospital in Durban, to place their patient on a waiting list to initiate treatment. Our sample in KwaZulu-Natal province included all patients who initiated XDR-TB during the study period, October 2006 to January 2008. Is there any particular relationship between TB and HIV? TB is one of the most common opportunistic infections seen in HIV. 
TB is the leading cause of illness and death among people living with HIV in Africa and a major cause of death in HIV-positive people living elsewhere. In some settings, TB kills up to half of all AIDS patients. Some 30% of the world's population has latent TB infection. The lifetime risk of progression to active TB in normal hosts is 5 to 10%. But for HIV-positive patients, the risk is 10% per year, much, much higher. There are several groups of patients included in our research. We included patients who had been failing MDR-TB treatment for many months before they were finally diagnosed with XDR-TB. By that time, they had very few treatment options. Other patients with advanced AIDS likely contracted de novo XDR-TB, which was commonly rapidly fatal. These are the same patients that were seen in the Tugela Ferry outbreak in rural KwaZulu-Natal province from 2005 to 2007. Some patients had less advanced AIDS or were already on ARVs, so were able to fight their TB for longer. All of this can help explain why HIV status did not predict a favorable treatment outcome in our study, meaning the patients were already very sick when they started treatment. What did you discover? We confirmed the high mortality rate for patients with XDR-TB in South Africa. In our study, 211 patients, or 63.9% of the cohort, died within two years of follow-up. Overall, 28.8% of patients were alive after two years of treatment. Interestingly, HIV status was not predictive of a favorable outcome. Multivariate analysis showed that predictors of a favorable outcome were negative results for acid fast bacilli at the start of treatment and a weight of more than 50 kilos. HIV-positive patients were more likely to have an unfavorable outcome. The strongest predictor of an unfavorable outcome was weight less than 50 kilos, so patients who already had malnutrition at treatment start. Is there any way to treat people successfully with extensively drug-resistant TB? And was there any difference in successful treatment between the TB patients with and without HIV? Emerging infectious diseases accepted our article as a synopsis, a category normally reserved for reviews of a disease or situation which provide lessons learned. The patients we described here had just about the worst possible survival from XDR-TB because of a number of situational factors. Our initial report of one-year outcomes for only patients treated in Eastern Cape Province, published in 2010 in the Journal of Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndromes, showed that 23.7% of patients died before they could even initiate treatment for XDR-TB. The DOTS Plus program started in 2000 in South Africa, treating patients with MDR-TB with a standardized regimen. All patients had their initial intensive phase as inpatients, and then patients were discharged to the community to continue treatment. Most of the resources available were focused on the inpatient phase, but not on the outpatient treatment period. Many patients defaulted once they felt better, but had remaining TB infection. Some had developed acquired resistance to one or more anti-TB drugs, and eventually their disease came back. This is how XDR-TB came to be prevalent in these communities. When XDR-TB was first described in 2006, the only new drugs available in South Africa were capriomycin, which has co-resistance to amikacin and canamycin, and PAS, paraaminosalicylate. For patients failing MDR-TB treatment and diagnosed with XDR-TB treatment, that probably wasn't enough to treat their TB. WHO guidelines recommend at least four effective drugs. We showed only 12.7% of patients were on an effective treatment regimen from the start of their treatment. It's likely that given the chronicity of disease and the paucity of TB treatment options available in South Africa for the study cohort, patients were unable to achieve cure by the time they were able to initiate appropriate treatment. 
The situation was true for patients who initiated treatment in October 2006 when XTRTB was first treated, just as it was for patients who initiated treatment more than a year later in January 2008. Things are somewhat better now. HIV is diagnosed earlier, and patients are initiated on ARVs earlier in their disease course, which has been shown to improve survival. In addition, there are some new drugs which may be added to the XTRTB treatment regimens, such as bedaquiline, delaminid, linazolid, and clofazamine. Back to your initial question, even within this cohort of patients, 21 patients, or 6.4% of the cohort, met the definition for cure, and 13 patients, or 3.9%, met the definition for treatment completion. So overall, 10% of patients had a favorable treatment outcome. Have there been any changes in the care of HIV and TB patients in South Africa since you did this study? Yes. In addition to those I described earlier, since 2011, treatment for XDR-TB has been decentralized in South Africa. As of June 2015, a total of 400 sites in South Africa were treating patients with drug-resistant tuberculosis. There's now universal gene expert testing for diagnosis. This has replaced spear microscopy and allows for rapid detection of rifampin-resistant tuberculosis. So patients with MDRTB are being diagnosed faster. That means they're able to start appropriate treatment faster. And because more drugs are available, including bedaquiline and the others I mentioned before, patients are more likely to be on effective treatment. And finally, patients co-infected with TB and HIV are now rapidly started on treatment for both TB and HIV infection. What do you consider the significance of your study, and what do you think are the treatment needs that should still be addressed? Our study confirms that, even under suboptimal conditions, XDR-TB can be cured. HIV and tuberculosis, once diagnosed, should be rapidly treated to avoid disease progression and death. The clinical research priorities for drug-resistant TB would be more effective drugs, drugs that can shorten treatment, and effective prophylaxis for drug-resistant TB. An ideal treatment regimen would not require IV medications, would be easily tolerated with fewer side effects, and reduce secondary cases of MDR-TB. Thank you, Dr. Kwasnowski, for taking the time to talk with me. Listeners can read the entire September 2016 synopsis, Treatment Outcomes for Patients with Extensively Drug-Resistant Tuberculosis, KwaZulu-Natal, and Eastern Cape Provinces, South Africa, online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.